0: Hello there, Menor Mission Baptist Church. Good to be with you today through this podcast. But This is our midweek discussion that we try to do each week on the sermon from this week. Hopefully you were able to be there on Sunday. I know our numbers were down a little bit, but if you weren't there and you're trying to catch up, that is good. I'm glad that you're doing that. Ephesians chapter 4 in verses 7 through 10 says this, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. It really is a weird section, I would say, for a lot of people as we get to this here, because we've been in a section on unity that's so what Paul's been talking about, verses uh, 1, really all the way to 16. And so he talked about how we're unified in character. This should be characteristic of us, humility, gentleness, patience, bond of peace. And then he went on to talk about how we're unified in God and how God is unified. He talks about the Spirit, the Son, the Father. We see the Trinity in the verses before that we looked at last week, really building this case for why we should be unified, why we should be together. And then he goes into this weird little section talking about, he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, which we'll talk about. But Then he gets into this thing about descending and ascending. He quotes a Psalm and can be confusing as to why is this here. But I think really what we're going to see in the weeks ahead, but also what Paul starts now is the realization that, yes, we are unified, we're unified in these different ways, we're unified through Christ, but there's also going to be differences among us, and we need to expect that, and we need to understand that, and that is okay, and it actually is good. God gets glory in our differences as we work together, even in our differences, to be unified so that we can have the bond of peace together. And so in that differences, one of the things that is going to differentiate us are different gifts, different abilities, even different talents. But I mean, here specifically, it's talking about a measure of Christ's gift that I would argue, and I think is the interpretation here, not the grace given to us in salvation, but a grace that is given to us in uh, gifts for the church, willing to help in the church, you know, work in the church, whatever that might be uh, that you are able to do. I think in some ways these are gifts that God gives that is very, um, like I would say, special. I think some people make this mystical is what I'm trying to argue against. This also often can become a mystical thing, like God has given me this specific gift to do for the church, and it's something, I don't know, out of the ordinary maybe. Don't get in my way. Yeah, kind of, (laughs) yeah. But I'm not talking about that. I think think what Paul's talking about here is we come to the table— with these different gifts, abilities, talents that God has given us, that we've been, that we've had the ability to learn, whatever it might be, and we see God's grace being poured out even in that. It's not our own, you know. If I'm, if if you have somebody who's really good at teaching, and they have this gift of teaching, that is a gift that God has given them by His grace, that they then can use in the life of the church to help in the life of the church. Or I don't know. Uh, there's people who are handy handymen, they've learned trades, whatever it might be. Well, that can come in handy in the life of the church. I mean, you can think about all these different things. And so everybody really has a part because everybody has some sort of gift, talent, ability that they're able to then go and use for the betterment of the church. And when I say the church, I'm not just talking about like, oh, you come to the church building to change lights or to fix this. No, within the body of Christ, you're, you're at the lady's house who her husband passed away and now you're sitting there helping her with her roof. That is a gift, that is, a, that is an ability, a talent God has given you, and now you are using that. And so that's what Paul is going to start, he's starting to talk about here, of how in our unity there's going to be differences, but we work together and we stay unified in that. So let's go around the table, and I want you to tell me what gift God has given you. Scott? No. Give <laughs> me the gift of humility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, you don't have that one, so what one's yours? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) Do you Uh, think, uh, so anyway, I know I'm just joking around, Mm but um, I do think it's important to clarify here. Would you you guys agree that this is different than salvation? Like the grace given in salvation. I I did take some Mm -hmm. time on Sunday to show the grace given to salvation is full, right? We are made holy and blameless in his sight, each one of us. So we don't have to worry about man, maybe I need some more of God's grace. Maybe I don't have it all here. There's a difference here of what Paul's talking about. This grace, when he says the word grace, than the grace that we receive in the gift of salvation. Would you guys a- agree with that, or is there a pushback there?
1: I mean, you did the work on the passage. So, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think um, that both are, tr- I mean, obviously, both are true in the sense in which we have one common vocation, one common calling, um, as Christians, but then within the body, Paul makes clear that our, we have different vocations within the body then. So while we're unified in the gospel, we're not uniform
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the sen- in that sense. So unity doesn't mean uniformity. In fact, if you have uniformity, it's, you actually can't really practice unity, um, because, uh, the unity is a unity, um, that embraces, um, uh, appropriate diversity, um, so yeah, I think um yeah, I mean I think here especially cuz he's going to be talking about the body part uh about how that we are all part of his body, uh, Christ is the head. Um we we are I like how one of the things you pointed out by the way, that was really good when you said um we are part of his body. It's not like Jesus gets to become a member of us. Yeah, yeah. We become a member of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that was a helpful point I thought and good and good a good reminder. Um, as well, so yeah, well, and Paul's going to keep doing that and talking about now about how this um, more uniquely is going to play out in the lives of, of individual believers. The common salvation that we have, how we experience it though, within the body is going to be um, different. Each of us have different vocations, different callings, um, within that body. So you might have even referenced this in your sermon, Tim,
2: but. I mean, a place that has a just, I think, a really clear statement to kind of explain that is 1 Corinthians 12 in uh, in verse 7. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Mm. And then talking about, yes, we all have the same Spirit, and we all, the Holy Spirit, and there's benefits that everybody receives equally in salvation and that, but, yeah, there's, there's some particular ways that that might work out for you differently than another person. But I think, you know, some... Some part of me hesitates to say that because I think some people really try to overspirit. That's a weird way to say it, overspiritualize this and make it some weird thing uh, that it does. It's not meant to be. I don't think. In terms of, you know, what's my spiritual gift, and that's mm. the key to unlocking my happiness as a mm. Christian. And uh, I think the way that the gift that has been given to you by the Spirit is probably a lot more normal and ordinary. Than what a lot of people perceive it to be mm-hmm. at times, um, but I mean, I think Scripture is pretty clear; it is given by the Spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think too. I think focusing more, and this is where I think the doctrine of vocation is helpful, because when we talk about gifts, we believe in gifts, but one of the things that happens is is that it starts to become very introspective about well what am i good at and it's all about me and my and that when instead the doctrine of vocation pulls us outside of ourselves and says what is my what am i called to do towards these other people mm-hmm. and everybody regardless of what specific uh, calling you have within the life of the church or outside we're all called to to use those callings to love that's that is, a really good point because you're right it takes the focus off of you
2: because i i think that's one of the reasons why people take spiritual gifts too far and say the the key to my living a happy christian life is figuring out my gift mm-hmm. because my gift is about fulfilling me right that's not what scripture talks every time it does talk about spiritual gifts it's not about you mm-hmm. it's about the body right it's They're about given built. for the whole body yes it's about you yes but it's about you
1: building up the body. Mm-hmm. It's about you building up other people. Right. So that's a good point. And that's exactly what um Paul's gonna get to in, uh, and Tim's gonna get to mm-hmm. in verse sixteen. Yeah. Each part is working
0: properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Yeah. See, and I was listening to a video uh last week, and it was from the leader of the Assemblies of God denomination. And the way that he talked about gifts, he was very he was a very welcoming guy, you know, very Welcoming to other, other denominations really and stuff. He was very <laughs> charismatic. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but what he said, they were talking about the baptism of the Spirit, the second baptism, like you'd call it. He would say something very different than what we're saying now. Is because he, he would say, I believe th- that there are people out there who are Christian. They just haven't experienced the fullness of a Christian life like I am experiencing because I have received this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So yes, you're a Christian, but just not fully, which I think is very different than what we're talking about here, where we're saying, no, everybody's received the Spirit in full. are mm-hmm. completely in full. And the gifts that we have are not for me so that I can experience this life full. The gifts that have been given to me are so that we together can be lifted up together in in the body. Just a very, maybe subtle difference, but a very big difference, mm-hmm. a vast a vast difference. Um, I just thought it would be good to maybe point that out because I mean, you're doing a denominations class, which we keep plugging every week. Mm -hmm. Is it helping our plugs? Um, yeah, I guess
1: so. I don't know. I haven't heard anybody about that, but, but yeah, um, your plugs, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they always help though. Well, don't have to do it. I'm sure they always help. No, I appreciate it. Um, no, I think too, also, as we think about that whole, you know, you think about vocation and, and gifts and calling, for instance, you know. Whenever you relate it, you know, to being a parent, I don't always feel like I have the gifts to be a loving father right. or a patient father mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. a teach teaching father or a humble father. But at some level, um, and this is honestly where my wife is a superstar reminding me that don't matter I'm called to do it. <laughs> right. It's yeah. my duty and that's and that's that's that my vocation. It don't matter what I feel like, or if I feel like I'm gifted to do that, that's what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that frees us though, or it should start to, um, to uh, think more in those terms because then it is freeing because I'm, because if we're not careful, we'll get bound up by trying to analyze ourselves too much. And um, so similarly within the church, it, at some level, it doesn't matter what you think your gifts are or aren't just, love other people within the context of your local church the best you can, and maybe talk to other people and they can help you too. But um, you still have that calling. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. your duty. And there's somewhat, there's actually eliminating the <laughs> eliminating the freedom or the choice that I think I have to, uh, to to do this, whether or not I think I have the gift or not. Well, if I don't have the gift, then I don't have to do that to you. But if you eliminate the choices to me and say, but your vocation is always to love That kind of is actually freeing because I know my duty Mm -hmm, and I know what I'm called to do, and I ask God to help me in that um, as well. Mm
0: -hmm. So, anyway. So, we've all been a part of other churches. Mineral Missionary isn't like the only church we've ever been to. We've all been to other churches. Uh, Most of us have even pastored at other churches. And one of the things that I have seen in church life is people getting jealous over other people's roles in the church. Like, why do they get to do that? Why? from whatever it might be, from someone teaching Sunday school, like, I think I should teach Sunday school. Well, you know, there's like maybe some pushback, like, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't. I should be the one preaching. I should preach. Uh, I don't know, you know, or I should be singing or I should be doing whatever. I would do better at that. And you've seen that strife probably happen uh, within different churches. And it's interesting because I think that's what Paul was getting at in in the very beginning of chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Right. If we're gonna stay unified, we need to be humble, gentle, patience. And he he tells us all this stuff first, and then he tells us about we're unified in God, fully in the Trinity. We are unified in Him, one hundred percent. And then he starts getting into the get like the gifts and the different roles. And it's almost like you need to remember those things because it will be it will be hard for you. I see this play out awesomely. When pastors are together, go to a pastor's conference, go to whatever. They are the worst people in the world to preach to because they think they already know everything. A lot of times they think they're the most important person in the room. So they're on their phones the whole time. They get up and leave all the time. Pastors conferences are very chaotic because people are moving all the time. It's like nobody is really focusing on the person on stage listening. It really, it is. And what is it? To me, it's this. They like, a lot of them probably think I should be up there. I already know what this passage says. I already know what he's gonna say. I don't need to hear this. And there's a big lack of humility. So I'm not just calling out church members here because I see it the worst oftentimes in in pastors. Uh, but we gotta be remember that I, I tried to make this point at the end just talking about how the church is not able to function number one if we hoard the gifts that we're given. Right. And so if you're hoarding your talents and your abilities or your resources, then you're being unfaithful and you're actually robbing other people. Uh I can go to resources specifically because, I mean, the statistics just show if church members actually gave, not even 10%, but if every church member actually gave, there'd be such a surplus of, of money and resources to be able to, to do things, uh, ministry, missions, whatever it might be. But people sit on that, right? People sit on that and hoard that. And as a result, honestly, ministry doesn't happen because of that. Uh, And so that's, I mean, that's an easy thing to think about and easily say, okay, I could see how hoarding is messing things up. But on the flip side, I've also seen people not willing to accept other people's gifts, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of, um, I don't like that preacher, I'm not going to come when they're preaching. Or, you know, I don't like when they lead music, I'm not going to come. Or, I know I'm down and out right now and you're trying to give me money, I'm not willing to accept it. And it takes humility sometimes to take those things and accept those things and understand that we're in this together and serving together. And so Paul's going to lay this more out uh, in the following verses that we'll get to in the weeks ahead. So I think we can move on to the next verses there. One, verses, go ahead.
2: One thing I was going to say, and I think this can be clarifying for a lot of people, especially if they're in the kind of vein of what is my gift? What am I supposed to be doing kind of thing? And they're getting caught up in that and... When it comes to specific churches, like this is what I, the perspective that I've tried to encourage is that figuring out the way that you are supposed to be serving in the body isn't so much about figuring out what you are good at and what you want to do. You really just need to ask the question, what are the needs in my church? Mm-hmm. What need is there? Well, that you're a person, and I guarantee you that there is probably a way that you can participate in that.
0: Yeah, and I think something we can do better here is letting those needs be known. I've heard that from multiple people, and we have to figure out, I think, as leadership, how to do that well because there's certain tasks we don't want to go to the microphone and say, hey, we need somebody for this. Like, example would be nursery. Hey, we need someone to lead nursery because not just anybody can get up and go lead nursery. They need to be a member, they need to have a background check, right? There's a lot of things. So, there's times we can't do it that way, but we do need to think of a way, whether it's online, creating something. Because, like, we need funeral luncheon teams right now. We need more of those. You know, we need people to help in our kids' ministry. We we need some teachers and some mm-hmm. workers there. There's other areas where we could really use some help yeah. and some resources. But I don't think we always do the best at getting that sure. out to be fair, yeah. and we could do better at that. Yeah,
2: I was mainly just addressing not – I mean, yes, that's true. Yeah, But I was addressing – if, if we're only internally focused yeah, on what yeah. am I good mm-hmm. at, what do I feel fulfilled doing? Right. And that's a lot of times the way people approach this. When, But if the purpose of the gifts is to build up the body, then the question needs to be, what are the needs that currently exist in the body that I'm a part of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really what you need to be asking.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's good. All right, verses 8 through 10 um, bring confusion. And understandably, I think... Uh, can be difficult to grasp. Uh, but verses 8 through 10, again, talks. he he quotes a psalm. Paul quotes a psalm, Psalm 68, 18, where he says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Kind of deceptive here because not a perfect quote. Uh, the very end, he gave gifts to men, is not in Psalm 68, 18. It actually says he receives gifts there. And so there's a, a change there. Uh, which I would argue is because King David, who's being referenced in Psalm 68, is being used as a type of Christ. And so as King David would conquer people and they would pay tribute to him and he would receive these different gifts and Israel would receive these different gifts, David would dole out gifts to Israel, no doubt, Uh, but he had to receive all this stuff first. And what we have in Christ is Christ descended to the earth, right? Right? put on humanity, put on flesh, fully God and fully man living here on this earth, experience the lows of lows of life, not having a place to lay his head, being despised, being forsaken, being shamed, being killed. Right? We we know this. But then he resurrected, and the Bible tells us then that he ascended. And so he descended, but then he also ascended. And in ascending, what has happened is the Father has given all things to him where everything is his. Just like with David getting paid tribute, kind of, right? You see, but Christ has been given everything. All things are his. And what Paul is saying here is because he ascended, now he gives gifts to us, to his body, to the church. He's able to do that. And he's able to do that freely. And he does that willingly. But he does that according to his will and according to his his purposes here. To me, that's the best way I can think of to summarize verses 8 through 10 of the descending and the ascending. Uh, but there are some questions about what this verse means, and, and then there's others. I, I should have wrote it down. I guess I didn't do my work ahead of time. It's in 1 Peter, I think, somewhere, where people will reference that to say uh, when Jesus died, what this is talking about is descending, is that when Jesus died, he actually went to hell. And then when he rose again, it was him. He he had conquered it. He had conquered hell. And then there's different things of, well, what did Jesus do in hell? There's different things that go there. Uh, but then he ascended. And it really goes back really far, maybe Spencer knows this off the top of his head, with the Apostles' Creed, which is a very important creed throughout church history that was written, do you know that answer? The Apostles' Creed? Yeah. I don't know, probably the first couple centuries. Yeah. Okay. Two or three centuries. So like, two or three centuries probably. So, like
1: 200? Two, 300 probably. Something. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. Somewhere in there. It's,
0: it's fairly early though. Yeah. But within the Apostles' Creed, which is a. a it wasn't written by the Apostles. No, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's a creed. I know. It's a know. creed that is very much accepted by yeah. the church. It's baseline. It's a very baseline thing, right? And within the Apostles' Creed, it does state that he descended to hell. But there's even interpretations there of what did they mean when they wrote that, right? Did they mean kind of what I'm saying? Did they mean he actually went to hell? There's there's even interpretations in that. And so I think this is where the question comes from people. Even within our church, we had this question like mm-hmm. the Apostles' Creed said this. Is this the verse? Is this what it means here? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm trying to do my best to explain through this. I don't know if you guys have anything to add that might help answer or be helpful with that question with this section. It is a confusing. T- it, it, it is, is kind it, of it different is, it that is, it's here. Yeah. But Scott.
2: I was just gonna say, I mean, yeah, it is confusing. I mean, I've I've struggled to understand this passage, but I think the way that you're laying it out makes sense of not just this verse, but also what you find in other places in scripture that talk about uh Jesus' death and resurrection. I mean, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, um, in, uh, towards the end of John and he's talking about the fact that it is good for him to go away what's what's the timeline and the pattern that you see Jesus condescends as incarnate God dies, ra- rises from the dead, ascends into heaven and then what happens later? The spirit comes and he says it's good that I go away and it this passage also follows the general pattern that you see in the rest of scripture, we don't often talk about the importance of the ascension, but it was actually a, a very central feature in the apostles' early preaching. And so it's kind of like the finisher, the the thing that um, that Peter ends his sermon on. Yeah. When he's talking, and he says, like, he ascended. It's an important feature, not because, oh, cool, Jesus floated up into heaven, but that was the confirmation that God has exalted him above all things and that he was God and that he was God <laughs> proved he says his that, deity yes he said he is both Lord and Christ and then what happened not long after that the spirit comes mm-hmm. right and so there's and uh, I'm uh, reading through Hebrews right now and it even talks about like the reason that Jesus was glorified is because he was humbled mm-hmm. to death in chapter 2 there it talks about that so I mean just in general you know, like, I don't know the the short phrase of how we say it right, but we use the clear passages of Scripture to interpret and understand the unclear passages of Scripture. And this is one of those prime examples, in my mind, of when you need to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's how I understand it. I thought you did a great job explaining it on Sunday. Well, others did. I mean, I didn't come up yeah. with this on my own. I mean, honestly, in studying it, you know, you, you read a lot. What are other people saying? And there are some that was just out there that I'm like, I don't know how they... Are figuring this out? I don't. I don't grasp it. And Maybe if I studied their interpretation more, maybe they had places to point me to. But it was like I just don't think this is there. And it seemed like historically, from the different resources I was pulling, what I taught was the more historical teaching. It's it seemed, mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah. yeah. My, my understanding of Hades
2: and yeah. Hell is in the ancient context was really just understanding
0: that he died. He was in the place of the dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole shield, Hades, and I mean it, it. This can lead to a big discussion that maybe we could talk about one day. But even like, even now in the life of believers, we die, we pass away, but the resurrection hasn't happened yet. What is that? So where do we go? How do, how does that function? Because the Bible says, "Absent from the body is presence with the Lord." So our spirit goes, but our body does. Right? There's just a lot of talk that isn't 100% clear, Mm -hmm. and we can have these discussions, but like you said, there's so much clarity in Scripture that is very clear that we need to use to try to interpret these other things, but Mm -hmm. we also need to be humble in our interpretation of some of these things to have a willingness to say, this is what I think it means, but I can't sit here and fight tooth and nail and and excommunicate you if Mm -hmm. you're going to say something different sure
2: yeah. no yeah I mean it's like you said it's a, a place of humility of recognizing that there's not a lot of clarity in it and you it's fine if you want to hold that position um I guess so but just recognize that you know don't uh don't get mad at people if they don't agree with you
0: yeah yeah um yeah I think that was pretty much it that I have here um we're going to continue with the unity section uh Paul's going to go on to do it I would encourage people to read ahead Uh, Because he does, he he's going to list a few um, different—I don't know if you want to say positions or whatever—within the life of the church. Uh, But there's also other areas where he talks about that that I'm sure I'll be reading and bringing up uh, in the sermons to head. I wish I could tell you what I was going to be preaching on specifically, but I don't remember right now. I know it will start with verse 11. (laughs) If that's helpful. It's good
1: since you ended
0: in 10. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember if it was 11 to 14 or if it was 11 all the way to 16. I kind of feel like maybe just 11 to 14 might be where we're at. But I don't don't quote me on that. You guys got anything else? Kind of a shorter one, which is fine. You're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I hope you you have a blessed week. Hope to see you on Sunday. God bless.